Just turn to the book of Jonah. Boy, oh boy. The book of Jonah. As promised, this is where I was going to preach today. By the way, as you find your place in the book of Jonah, he's one of the minor prophets, the major prophets. You skip through them, and you'll find Jonah in about five or six books there in the minor prophets. So if you found your place in Jonah, he's a minor prophet. Somebody said the reason that Jonah got swallowed up by a whale was because he was a minor prophet. And uh, I don't know if he, if he got out of God's will. Uh, you can get swallowed by anybody gets swallowed by a whale. I made this statement last Sunday. If, uh, you think this is odd coincidence, but I don't think so. I remember preaching down this aisle, and I got about right there, and I said that you know, if the Lord wanted to send me to Iraq, he'd have to put me in the belly of a whale. And then I said, oh, Lord, I should not have said that. And guess what? On Monday, uh, I totaled Lisa's car on the Holston River Bridge. I've never had an accident in 43 years of driving. And it's a thousand wonders I wasn't killed. A semi almost hit me. I piled into another wreck that had already happened in front of me. Almost had to jump over the bridge. I was contemplating jumping. If I would have done that, I would have died for sure. But I can tell you right now, on this Sunday morning, I have surrendered to go to Iraq. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something. In God's will, I'd be safer in Iraq than I would be on Highway 19. So I've been humbled a little. I'll just be honest with you. I've been humbled a little bit. And... Uh, I've been wanting to preach this message for a long time, and it's really fresh to me. Well, by the way, on Monday, I'd already decided to preach on Jonah before the wreck. I studied five hours in the book and uh, got a lot of wonderful points, and then that happened. So here we go. We've all heard the story of Jonah and the whale. How many's heard the story of Jonah and the whale? Raise your hand. Okay, help me out here. All right. Everybody. How many's heard a message or the story of Jonah and the east wind? Anybody? That's what you're going to hear this morning. You see, there's another chapter to Jonah that is never preached. And I'm going to preach it this morning. I want you to put your thinking cap on. I want you to get your ear, your spiritual ears ready for a message that you've never heard before. Let's pray. Father, keep me in the right spirit today. Keep me where I need to be. Use me for your glory. And Lord, it's the Word of God. We need the Word of God. Everybody in this building, we need to learn. We need to move forward. We need a greater relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that at the end of this message, we would all be closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I've never preached, and I've said this before, I've never preached a message, honest, I've never preached a message and pointed it toward anybody, ever. No points. I never take a rifle or a gun, and I never shoot it. I preach the word. If it hits you, it hits you. And sometimes it hits everybody. So it's, I guess it's a shotgun if you do that. But this morning, I'm going to preach to a person, and I'm going to name him. Guess whose name he is? George. I'm going to preach to George. And I'm going to tear George all to pieces with this message. And if you get some help from this, that's fine. But I promise you, I am not aiming at you. I promise you, I am aiming at me. Amen. So here we go. 
Did the fish, we know that God, the story, we'll follow that in a minute, but did this story really happen? Did the whale really swallow Jonah? Was this just a Bible story with a moral, or is this a biblical narrative? And the answer is, this literally happened. Amen. This is not some of Grimm's fairy tales or some Looney Tunes cartoon. This incident actually happened. The Bible said it happened. Jesus reaffirmed that it happened. The Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. The Bible says that every word of God is pure. The Bible says, For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Every word in here is true, factual, logical, reasonable, and God-breathed, period. And so God said it. Jesus confirmed it. I believe it. That settles it. That settles it. An atheist cannot steal it. Isms can't stop it. And unbelievers cannot staunch it. This is the Word of God. It is forever settled in heaven, and it is forever settled in my heart. Amen. There was a town named Nineveh. There was a preacher named Jonah. There was a fish named Whale. Jesus, somebody said, well, his Bible just said it was a great fish. No, Jesus said it was a whale. So guess what it was? It was a whale. When all the skeptics have been silenced and the mockers have been quieted, the scoffers have been muffled, uh, the Bible will still be the living word of God. Amen. So here we go in the overview of Jonah. Now, we all know the story. I'm not going to preach the old story of Jonah. That's the first three chapters. But I cannot preach the fourth chapter without reviewing at least the first three. We all know the story. Pay close attention. God said, Jonah, you go to Nineveh and you preach the gospel to them. And Jonah didn't want to go. And you know why Jonah didn't want to go? It's in chapter 4. You never hear it preached. Chapter 4, I'll show it to you in a minute. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh, not because he hated driving, not because he didn't want to travel, not because he didn't want to leave home. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh because he did not want to see them saved. <laughs> Jonah, can I tell you something? Jonah is a mean-spirited Baptist preacher. He wants his little group he wants his little church, and he don't care if the rest of the world goes to hell. Amen. And so Jonah buys a ticket. Nineveh is in northern Iraq. And Jonah buys a ticket to Tarshish, which is Spain. He's sailing in the opposite direction of the will of God. He sails 180 degrees. And the Bible says that God sent a storm. He sent a storm, but he prepared a fish. Let that sink in. God sent a storm. So if we look at Jonah on the surface, his life is going through a storm, but God's prepared something deeper. Let me tell you something quickly. God prepares stuff for me and you, and we go through things, and God puts us through things, and we see all the surface storm, but God's prepared something deeper. There's a deeper reason you went through that. Amen. There's a deeper reason for God doing something in your life. And so Jonah discovers that God sent a storm, prepared a great fish. When they on the boat figured out that Jonah's the reason for the storm, they throw him overboard. Jonah sinks down 
into the waters and get swallowed by the whale. In the belly of the whale, Jonah prays. Jonah admits in the belly of the whale, Lord, <laughs> I did wrong. With the seaweed wrapped around my head. While I'm here, and Jonah said it was like being in the belly of hell. Jonah said, I mean, Jonah prayed, buddy. Boy, he had a prayer meeting. He got in touch with God. He got so much in touch with God that God spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. Jonah admits that he had forsaken his own mercy. He promises to pay, to pay his vow. Let me tell you something about the whale. The whale wasn't God's way of punishing Jonah. The whale was God's way of saving Jonah. Jonah would have drowned in the sea if it had not been for the whale. He could not have lived underwater, but he could have lived in the whale's belly. So what God sent and what God prepared was for Jonah's good and for God's glory. We find that the whale was God's way of saving Jonah. The whale was God's way of teaching Jonah a spiritual lesson because the, this could have been a worse tragedy if God had not have saved Jonah both physically and spiritually. And dear friend, I could, I'd love to preach there, but I've got to move on because we're going to preach the whole chapter in a minute of chapter 4. Now let's read something in chapter 2, 2 verse 10. And it just says what I simply said before, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. I'm going to tell you something. You get your heart right with God, the world will spit you out. But notice the, the fish didn't spit Jonah out in the sea where he had to swim on his own works. The Bible had the fish, there, or the great whale, to swim right up to the bank and spit Jonah out on the land. Isn't God good? Even when you get swallowed by a whale, God is still good. Amen. And so Jonah here, uh, I'd hate to have been Jonah. I mean, can you imagine going home after three days and your wife standing there at the door with her hands on her hips going, where in the world have you been? <laughs> Sweetheart, you're not going to believe this. I mean, listen, Jonah was standing there smelling like fish <laughs> trying to explain where he's been for three days. Holy smoke. Jonah, what's going on? After the whale has vomited Jonah up, after the whale has spit him up, after Jonah has seemingly, seemingly learned his lesson, <laughs> he goes to the city of Nineveh and he preaches. Simple message. Simple message. Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Boy, the Bible says Nineveh was wicked. And their wickedness had come to come above God. No wonder Jonah didn't want to see them saved. He wanted to see that bunch of sinners go to hell. Jonah had reason to hate the people of Nineveh, hate the people. And he goes down, boy, he's a mean-spirited preacher. And he's preaching, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Listen, God chose the right man for the job. Are y'all listening? Jonah was mean-spirited. I'm sure Jonah loved that message. It wasn't a message on love and grace. It wasn't a message on, on old compassion. No, sir. It was a message of judgment. And Jonah liked that message. 
but he didn't like the results of the message. And so we find that the miraculous happens. Right in the middle of this Iraqi town, the people from the common man to the king heard the message, convicted of the Spirit, and the whole town got saved. 120,000 people, one of the greatest revivals that's ever been on the face of planet earth since the beginning of time. And Jonah, a mean-spirited Baptist preacher, got to preach it. I'd say God sent the right person. He called a man of God. And the man of God, despite the spirit he was in, he seemed mean-spirited, but he got the job done. Amen. And the Bible says that some of some have compassion, making a difference and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Not every message needs to be a message of love, and not every message needs to be a message of judgment. Amen. And so this message of judgment was what Nineveh needed because judgment was coming in 40 days. Now, I want you to see this. They repented. Look at chapter 3, verse 10. This is after Nineveh repents. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do to them and he did it not. Boy, I'd like to preach right there for the rest of the time. Let me tell you something. God, the Bible says God repented. When you read the Old Testament, when you find the word repentant, you'll find that God repents more in the Old Testament than man does. You look it up. Look up the word. I know what I'm talking about. What are you saying, preacher? What does it mean that God repented? Repentance is a change of mind. Repentance is a change of mind. So God, when, listen to me carefully. When they repented, God repented. You know, what, you know what, sinner? Listen to me this morning. If you're in this church and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, all God is waiting to do, is, waiting for you to do, is for you to change your mind, and he'll change his. You're already, if you're a sinner, you're already bound for a devil's hell. You're headed for the, the judgment of God, dear friend. And all God's waiting on is you to repent of your sins, change your mind toward yourself, toward sin, and toward God, and he's ready to change his mind toward you and save you from hell and take you to heaven. Let me tell you something. The future is not fixed. It's open. Let me say that again. The future is not fixed. It's open. Now, God had already said he was going to do something. Well, you say, well, if God said he's going to do it, you might have to take the bank, mark it in stone, write it on rock. It's going to happen. It didn't in this case. The future's not fixed. It's open. And a lot of people live their lives. I've talked to sinners. They say, oh, I tell you, I, you know, it's just too late for me. My daddy was a drunk, and I'm a drunk, and I'm a gambler, and it's just fixed. No, it ain't fixed. The future's open, and God is waiting for you to change your mind so he can change his mind about you. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, church. Your future's not fixed this morning. Oh, God already foresees, but he's not fixed it as much as we think he has. The future is not open. It's fixed. What we do makes a difference 
God is not a God of the inevitable. He's the God of the unforeseeable. Let me say that again. God is not a God of the inevitable. He's the God of the unforeseeable. And so we got a lot of people, we got a lot of churches today that they don't witness. They don't try to win people to Jesus. They don't try to invite people to church. They just say, well, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. And if those people are meant to be saved, they're meant to be saved because the future's fixed. If I read my Bible right, the future was not fixed. God repented. God changed his mind. So don't look at that hardened sinner in the world and go, boy, they're headed for a devil's hell. There ain't much we can do about it, but ain't no use to witness them. Hey, don't have that attitude. Listen to me. That Calvin, it's a doc called the doctrine of Calvinism, predestination, predetermined, believing that everything that's meant to be will be, that'll kill a church. You get that attitude, we get that, if that, if that spirit moves in here, this church will die. So this is where we want to begin studying Jonah chapter number four. God made a decision based on the decision of Nineveh to not destroy Nineveh, but he didn't tell Jonah. So Jonah's gone through the city preaching 40 days and 40 nights, and the city's going to be destroyed. Let's see what happens. God changes his mind. Chapter 4, verse number 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Guess who Jonah was angry at? Not his wife. Not himself. Jonah was very angry with God. Two chapters ago, now get this, two chapters ago, Jonah was praying in the fish's belly, Lord have mercy, would you please, God have mercy on me. I'm down here in the belly of hell. I'm down here with a seaweed wrapped around my head. I'm down here going down to the depths of the earth. Lord have mercy, would you please. Jonah's praying two chapters ago for the mercy of God and two chapters later after God's done a great work through his ministry, Jonah's angry. Different Jonah than you've heard preached, but I'm in the Word of God. He's crying in anger. Verse number 2. Here's why, and here's the key verse to why Jonah didn't want to go. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, this is Jonah. Here's a prayer, some kind of prayer. (laughs) O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled unto Tarshish, Spain, for I knew thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Lord, I knew that if I went and preached to them Ninevites that they'd get saved, and I didn't want it. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. If God ever speaks to your heart to witness to somebody, I don't care how mean they are. I don't care how nasty they are. I don't care how much they hate you and how much, what your relationship between you and them is. If God speaks to you to speak to them, you better speak to them. The, the Spirit of God makes no mistake. So Jonah's going, I knew it. I knew it. You, I knew you'd change. Jonah preached hellfire and brimstone. 
And by the way, Jonah didn't even give them an altar call. I mean, Jonah preached destruction and judgment, and Jonah ran out before they could sing a verse of amazing grace. Before they could sing one verse of just as I am, Jonah is skipped out, gone, hoping that the judgment of God still falls. Wow. Mean-spirited. See, let me tell you something. He hated sin so bad that it spilled over into hating the sinner. Sometimes you and I, sometimes I look, sometimes I have to turn off the TV. Because my hatred for sin and lies and, and foolishness that I've seen lately, I get angry. And I have to, listen, God does not want us ministering, mean-spirited, or angry, or in our own flesh. Amen. And so Jonah here Hated sin so, so bad that it spilled over into hating the sinner. He hated the people instead of hating the principle. And you and I are called of God to love truth and righteousness and love the principle. And I love the principle of righteousness. I love the principles of honesty. I love the principles of integrity and godliness and holiness and righteousness. Those are wonderful principles. But if I love those principles so much that I hate somebody, something's wrong in my heart. God help us. There's a great lesson here in Jonah. And again, I'm preaching to me. Someone has said this, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that you do. <laughs> Look at verse number 3. Therefore now, Lord, this is Jonah praying to God, <laughs> a prayer of suicide. Lord, take I, I beseech thee my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Wow. <laughs> Mean-spirited preacher, wanting to, get, wanting to die because he had a successful ministry. I knew a mean-spirited preacher like that one time. And again, he could not, some, for some reason, this preacher could not balance. Let me, I'd like to drive this home into not just my heart, but all of our hearts. He could not balance the righteousness and holiness of God with the love and forgiveness of God. And all he could preach was that message of Jonah. Damnation, condemnation, destruction, judgment. That's all he could preach. Preaching against sin, and I preach against sin. But he couldn't preach compassion. He couldn't preach love. He couldn't love the, something was wrong. And he got so mean-spirited that he did exactly what Jonah wanted to do. One of the greatest preachers I've ever heard. But he went upstairs and he took a pistol. And he took his own life. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if the book of Jonah teaches me anything, and you can learn from it, don't get in the wrong spirit. Jesus Christ stood against sin. And he said some hard things. And he did some hard things. But Jesus Christ never once got mean-spirited and hated people. 
Jesus Christ balanced, always balanced the principles of right with the principles of love, the principles of holiness with the principles of compassion. They have to be balanced. So we go to verse 4. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? Jonah? I mean, God's scratching his head at this point, going, Jonah, why are you angry? I saved you from the whale's belly when you prayed. I gave you a ministry to do. It was a successful ministry, and now you're angry. (laughs) You know, Jonah, this don't really make sense. And the next verse says that God prepared a shark with 40 rows of teeth, right? wrong no God was compassionate even when Jonah was angry with him the Bible says here in verse number five so Jonah went out of the city this is Nineveh sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city Jonah went out of the city because he expected fire and brimstone in the city he didn't he didn't think now listen he didn't think their repentance would make a bit of difference he thought they could repent and God would still judge them I don't care who lives in this community I don't care what they've done I don't care where they've been If they change their mind toward God and toward sin and repent of their sin, God will change his mind toward them. And God will stay his judgment toward them. And Jonah didn't want that. Jonah didn't expect that. So he built, he went out in the city wanting to see law and not grace, wanting to see judgment and not mercy. (laughs) And Jonah's so angry with God that he takes the fish symbol off of his trunk. I want you to see this, so I'm going to hurry through this. Jonah is in the desert heat in northern Iraq, sitting under a booth that he built, waiting to see fire and brimstone come down on Nineveh, hoping to see fire and brimstone come down on Nineveh, like it did on Sodom and Gomorrah. And I've made some statements like that. I'm not going to tell you what they are. Do you know what? Some, well, I might as well. And you've made them too. Sometimes they say, well, California's going to slide off into the sea. And some of us holier-than-thou Christians go, well, America would probably be better off if it did. Hey, Amen. Now, don't y'all look at me. You know what your attitude is like? I know how wicked California is. I know how liberal California is. But I'm going to tell you something. God still loves California. And God would still start a revival in California if a Jonah would go there. So you see what I'm saying? So Jonah's sitting in this booth. Verse number 6. He's burning up. Now look at me. Jonah's got this booth, this homemade booth, and he's burning up, man. He's dying. Verse number 6. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah so it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. (laughs) Wow. 
God just gave him some air conditioning. And Jonah's happy. He's, he's got personal comfort again. His booth was not enough to protect him from the sun, so God helped him out. And you know what that is? That's a divine overshadowing. Jonah's own works is not enough to keep him cool. <laughs> I'd like to preach there for a while because our own works is not enough to keep us out of hell. It takes the overshadowing of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's a good message in itself. But Jonah's now cool, and he's cooled by the gourd and the, and the leaves and probably the gourds. But look at what happened. Verse number 7. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. God took Jonah's comfort away. And he takes Jonah's comfort away for a purpose. Verse number 8. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind. Here's Jonah in the east wind. And this is where I'm going to preach and finish the message. God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah and he fainted. Here's that old suicidal thought again. And he wished himself to die and said, it's better for me to die than to live. God prepared an east wind. If I read the book of Jonah correctly, and I read it several times, God prepared four things. And I'm closing the message so y'all can relax a little bit. God prepared four things in the book of Jonah. He sent a storm, but he prepared a whale, right? The next thing that God prepared, and you can look these words up, was a gourd to come up and shadow Jonah. The next thing God prepared was a worm. To kill the gourd. The next thing that God prepared was an east wind to make Jonah absolutely miserable. If I read this correctly, Jonah had prepared a whale, a gourd, a worm, an east wind. He prepared something from zoology, botanology, uh, entomology, meteorology. Everything that God did in Job's life was preparing Job to be right with God. But Jonah had not changed his ill-spirited disposition from the whale's belly. Now, here's, here's where we all make a mistake. Here's where I want you to learn with George. Jonah did not learn his lesson in the whale's belly. He didn't. And he, when the east wind comes up, I want to do a comparison of Jonah's attitude in the east wind than in the whale's belly. Jonah had not learned his lesson, and the east wind was more than he could handle. Let me compare that. In the whale's belly, Jonah was praying for compassion. Jonah was praying for a right relationship with God, and the east wind was angry with God. Wow. In the whale's belly, Jonah had a voice of thanksgiving when the waters come past him. But he had a desire to, to die in the east wind. Jonah wanted to live while he was in the whale's belly, but he wanted to die when he was in the east wind. <laughs> now you know why you don't hear it preached much. But I'm in the Word of God. Why don't we preach it? Why don't we pick and choose? He had repentance in the whale's belly when the seaweed was wrapped around his head. But in the east wind, Jonah did not confess one thing. Jonah didn't say, God, I'm sorry. God, you've changed my position, but I didn't change my disposition. 
Jonah didn't say, Lord, I've learned my lesson. The whale and the east wind have taught me something. No, Jonah didn't. Wow. He had a desire to accomplish the will of God when he was in the whale's belly. But after he accomplished the will of God, he was mean-spirited again. But people in the will of God, ministering the word of God, sometimes get a little mean-spirited, a little ill. It takes something out of you to serve other people. It takes something out of you to, to minister to people. You give of yourself to them, and sometimes it leaves you a little rough around the edges. Amen. And that's where Jonah is. Jonah's given himself to the will of God. Jonah's given himself to the people of God. Jonah's given himself to, give, to have a great revival. He's ministered. He, he's tired. And now he's, listen, Jonah, if I read my Bible right, and I do, Jonah's in worse shape in chapter 4 than he was in chapter 2. He's in worse shape in the east wind after the revival than he was in the belly of the whale before the revival. He had a better relationship with God before the revival than he had after the revival. What's revival for? It's to get us closer. And yet here's a revival where a whole town of 120,000 got revival and Jonah got angry. <laughs> Jonah missed it. Verse 8, let's read it again. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that Jonah prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said it's better for me to die than to live. Verse 9, and God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. God said, no, wait a minute. God scratched his head again asking some questions. Now, Jonah... You were glad when this gourd grew. You were glad when, when this gourd came up and air-conditioned your little booth. And now that a worm has cut it down, you're angry again. And Jonah said, yes, sir, I do well to be angry. <laughs> Jonah, you can have compassion for something that serves you, but you can't have compassion on another city. Jonah, you can have love for a gourd, but you can't have love for people. Verse number 10. And that's what God is saying. Then said the Lord, verse number 10, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither madest thou it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Jonah, you can have more sympathy for a gourd than people headed for hell. You can have more pity on a plant that you didn't water, you didn't labor over it, you didn't cause it to grow, and you can have more pity on a plant than you can people. You know where we are today in America? We can have more pity on a whale than we can Jonah. We want to save all the whales and kill all the babies. We protest over guns, but it's okay if the governor says kill a baby after it's born. Holy smoke, we ought to, if there was 100,000 at a gun protest, there ought to have been a million there protesting abortion. Jo what are you saying? I'm saying we're closer to Jonah than we think we are. <laughs> Sorry, I shot at you that time. I've been shooting at me. Wait a minute, let's 
Jonah, you can get angry over the disappearance of a gourd, but don't you care that another human being is going to drop off the face of planet Earth and into a devil's hell? <laughs> wow. Verse number 11, I'm closing. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city where there are in more than six score, 120,000 persons, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand. And he says this, and also much cattle. I'll preach on that one day. <laughs> God didn't even, listen, God didn't even want to destroy the cows. Jonah is the only book in the Bible that ends with a question. After all that preaching, let's think about some questions. Did Jonah learn anything about the grace of God? It ends with a question. If he got mean-spirited, if he got glad in the whale's belly, mean-spirited in the east wind, I don't know. Did he learn his lesson? And we all want to jump off the bandwagon and hit Jonah on the head and say, Jonah, don't you, haven't you learned your lesson? <laughs> and yet I want to take the Bible and whack me in the head and sometimes and say, George, haven't you learned your lesson yet? And the answer to that question at the end of the book is no. I don't think any of us have learned our lessons yet. Amen. <laughs> so guess what? We're still all in God's school. God's still teaching us. Jonah, did you learn the lesson of the whale? Yeah, oh, I learned that lesson. Jonah, did you learn the lesson of the gourd and the east wind? Uh, probably not. If you didn't learn that lesson, Jonah, will you repeat it again? Question. It ends with a question. Jonah, do you realize the compassion and mercy of God? Question. Jonah, do you realize that God didn't want your neighbors to go to hell? Question. Jonah, do you realize that we ought to serve the Lord in gladness and not madness? Church, is that the way, is that the way we want to serve God? Sure, we ought to stand for right, preach against sin. But sure, we ought to have compassion and love and serve the Lord. I'm going to end on a good note. The book of Jonah does not. I'd like to tell you that in the end, Jonah learned his lesson in the whale's belly and had a great revival. Jonah learned another lesson in the east wind and even more people got saved. But it ends with a question. David said this in Psalm 100, verse 2, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. When you serve God, whether it be in children's church, whether it be in the offering plate, the Bible says the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. Serve the Lord with gladness. 
And if you're tired from ministering, and I know you get tired from ministering, you get tired of seeing those same old faces, and, and it's hard to correct those children. They won't sit still. And, and, you're, you know, and whatever area of ministry you're ministering in, it becomes hard sometimes. But continue to serve the Lord with gladness. If you teach that class, teach with gladness. Be a balanced teacher. If you serve the Lord, don't let a bad spirit eat you up. Don't get so tired. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. Listen, the Word of God is there. The Lord Jesus Christ is there. The Spirit of God is there to strengthen you, help you, and keep us in the right spirit as we minister to this old dying, lost, and headed to hell and judgment world. I hope you enjoyed George's message to George. If I seemed mean-spirited when I preached, it was because I was mean-spirited toward myself because I see myself in so many ways in this book. 